welcome back to the God Geeks podcast. This is our second God Geeks Junior episode. I thought it was third. Well, that first one was just kind of an intro. We didn't really do the format. Okay, gotcha. Right. I'm Pastor James Cleland. This is my wife. I'm Ryan Cleland. Ryan Cleland. And today we are moving on to part two of our discussion of ethics. Um, again, a term I don't really like that much, and we talked about that in the last episode because it, it typically turns into a, a hypothetical conversation where you're talking about what would you do in this instance or that instance, and, and most of the right time... Right and wrong. Right and wrong, but most of the time with those hypothetical questions, they're purposely created to, to make like a gray area, right? And, and that's typically our experiences when we talk about ethics. And when we talk about Christian ethics, it, it typically just turns into conversations about behavior, does that make sense? Right. The law. Right. The law. Yeah. And we talked about the distinction between law and gospel last episode. So if you haven't listened to that one, you should. So th- that episode was based on looking at ethics, right and wrong, and, and the way we should behave as Christians from a first article perspective. And when I say first article, I'm talking about the first article of the Apostles' Creed, which has to do with God, the Father, the creator of everything. Right? Right. Okay, so in that episode we talked, you know, we should behave a certain way because we are created beings and created in God's image and, and, and he has created the world with a certain order. And even though we've, we've fallen into sin, uh, leaped into sin, um, there still is an order that we should be following. Does that make sense? Sure. Sure. Okay. <laughs> this episode, we're talking from a second article perspective. And roughly, the, the uh, Apostles' Creed is broken into three articles, and each article kind of corresponds with um, a, a different uh, uh, part of the Trinity, right? Yes. So, the, God the Father would be first article, and who do you think would be second article? God the Son. God the Son. And, and, if, and if you want to recite the, the, the uh, Apostles' Creed, you can. But basically, I believe in God the Father Almighty is the first article, maker of heaven and earth, and I believe in Jesus Christ, his son, is the second. And then we can expand that another time. But basically, we're now looking at ethics from the perspective of, well, how should we be behaving as Christians? And that Christian word has what as its root word, Ryan? What's the Christ? Re- yeah, Christ. Okay, so <laughs> Christ is the key for this. Christ is the key for our behavior even. Um, and we read a book in an ethics course I'm taking uh, by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Have you heard of him, Ryan? It's just because of you. Yeah, just because of me. Bonhoeffer. Uh, he wrote a book, I think, called Ethics, which makes sense, right? Because we're talking about ethics. But the book we read in my ethics course was not the ethics book. It was The Cost of Discipleship. And I tell you... I don't think I've struggled with a book this hard in a long time. Is Bonhoeffer like a current publication? No, no. So Bonhoeffer was a German Lutheran um, who is kind of on people's radar because he was uh, imprisoned in a concentration camp by the Nazis and, and died in the concentration camp. Right. Okay, so like in World War II. This is World War II kind of time period. Got um, it. He had every opportunity to... to to leave Germany, leave Europe, but he went back to it because he thought that's where he was being called and told to to serve, if that makes sense. Um, and we could get into Bonhoeffer and all that stuff another time, but, but this book was difficult because he starts off in the book throwing down the gauntlet on something he calls, and I think he got the term from someone else, but he calls it cheap 
Grace. Have you ever heard that, Ryan? Yes. Cheap Grace. Okay. But because of you. But because of me again. <laughs> <laughs> and and I've, uh, okay, I've had this term thrown at me before as a, a teacher and a preacher. Whenever I preach the gospel as something you don't do to earn. People, yeah, people want to see themselves in it. You're they right. They want to see their... That they have a part in it. They want to have skin in the game. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And if I say you have no skin in the game, there's nothing you can do to earn favor with God. He's done it all for you through Christ, right? Uh, The life, death, resurrection of Christ. All of his works are given to you, imputed on you, given to you. And when you stand before God on judgment day, God sees Christ, right? Right. Well, Some people would say, well, then... What does it matter? Exactly. And, and they would, it would, antinomian is the term, the fancy term thrown around sometimes. It's a heresy. Oh. So that would be you're throwing out the law. You're throwing out um, the, the rules, if you will, for being a better Christian. Does that make sense? Well, isn't there, aren't there rules? Well, the, you know, yeah. Okay, sure. Let's get into that. So Bonhoeffer um, uses that term cheap grace as, as a very dangerous thing. And I think he's right. So if we take what Christ has done for us and we cheapen it, we lessen it, that would be a bad thing because it actually costs a lot, this this salvation we're being given right. as a gift. It, there's a huge cost to it. It means the Son of God dying on a cross, right? Yeah. That's a big cost. That's huge. But what Bonhoeffer is also saying is there's a cost that we can't ignore as followers of Christ. If Christ did that for us at because such a huge cost. Because of the weight cost, of the cost. Yes. Then we as Christians can't just ignore that and do nothing. We actually have to follow Christ and be disciples. And if we take that part out of the equation, the following Christ, the being a disciple, we cheapen what Christ has done. Does that make sense? Yes. What I've heard said, though, before um, from some fellow pastors is if you... If you accuse me of preaching cheap grace, I'm doing it wrong. I'm actually trying to preach free grace. Right. And out of that freeness, the fact that I have no skin in the game comes discipleship and right. following Christ and, and, and the freedom to bear his yoke. Does that make sense? Yes. Yoke being the, the thing that oxen, yes. you know, used to pull things that Christ talks about. You know, his yoke is light. Um, so... Here, I love how Bonhoeffer actually describes it. I didn't like it at first, but now that I see, after when I read the entire book, it's like, oh, I see what you did there. Okay. It was his hook. It was his hook, yeah. So, the justification of the sinner in the world degenerated into the justification of sin and the world. So, when I say, that's Bonhoeffer's words, but when I say justification, that means being made right, right? Right. Being justified. Okay, Christ justifies, makes right with God, the sinner who lives in the world, who is part of the world. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah. But what we have done is try to justify our sin. Right. And justify the world. Right. And that's not what what God's grace is. That's not the gift he's given us. He's justifying the sinner. Um, Luther even says, you know, sin boldly. Which, okay, that sounds horrible, right? But to a Christian who is justified by the free, costly grace, we can go around knowing I am a sinner 
if I sin, I'm covered by grace. And you carry yourself differently. And you, you carry yourself differently. Right. And in there, that context. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's this this discipleship that flows out of it. Right? Does that make sense? Well, if you recognize you are a sinner, then you want... You just naturally want to serve others. Right. Because you're seeing how... <laughs> and if you go as far as Luther did, just this total depravity. Like, oh my gosh, I am just... just the, the And Paul did it too. I'm the worst sinner of sinners, right? Then there's, there's this this gift that God has given you becomes costlier and costlier and costlier. It just, it gets bigger and bigger as you realize how darker and more sinful than you realized you were. I meant it's just your state of being. Yeah. Instead of, instead of seeing it as, oh, it's just this thing I do or that thing I do. It's my whole being. It's not a tally mark of things you can do in an hour's time. And Luther really hit on the whole simultaneous sinner and saint. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so all that being said, then after uh, Bonhoeffer really covering the whole Jeep, treep, uh, sorry, cheap grace thing, he, he jumps into um, <laughs> expanding on and, 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 and explaining all of the, the Sermon on the Mount, right? And the Sermon on the Mount is where Christ is given that long sermon with the Beatitudes and, mm-hmm. the, and, and, and different uh, parts to it. And, and I've always felt like the Sermon on the Mount was very law-heavy. Right. And it kind of is. But there's that huge grace element going on, too. And Bonhoeffer unpacks all those things. It's beautiful. And then he gets into what it means to be a disciple. Like, And he talks about the actual disciples being called versus us being called. And the fact that we cannot separate Christ calling the disciples from being a disciple. The, the follow me element of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if we are calling ourselves Christians, that means we are called by Christ to follow him. And if we're going to follow him, it means following his laws and standards and exactly. life. Exactly. And in, in the, even though that we're saved through his grace. Even though we know that and we can rest and have gospel rest in that, there is an active element of being a Christian. There right. is. Right. Right. Full, knowing full well that nothing we do is what justifies right. us. Nothing we do matters. Nothing we do matters when it comes to our sin, vertical right. righteousness with God. That that our relationship, with right? Because Christ is the great mediator there, mm-hmm. right? So Bonhoeffer gets into that, and one of the cool distinctions he makes too is um, we can't romanticize the disciples too much in in in, in the Gospels. They're people. And in Acts, they're people, too. And we can't act like their call from Christ is that different than ours. So sometimes we romanticize them. We think about it. Man, it was so long ago. And they got to be in, in the presence of Christ. They and dropped of course their nets. They dropped and... their nets. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the thing is, we do, too. And we are in the presence of Christ. And when we are at church when we are are partaking in in the the um the sacraments um in our baptism and in the lord's supper we are in the presence of christ when we are reading the word and when the word is being proclaimed to us and through us okay there's the call going on right there christ is still saying follow me and our call is not that much different or different at all from the call of the disciples the 12 or the 70 some odd other ones that were falling around etc yeah, what et cetera, do you think we're doing in st louis Eight, yeah we were called to follow and drug <laughs> to st louis we had to give up everything and come to st louis no but there was an element of that yeah absolutely i um, meant queso and salsa is important it is and they don't have good queso in st louis i'm just i'm just gonna go on a limb and say and that salsa 
Well, I can make salsa, so okay. we're, we're okay there. But <laughs> barbecue. Bluebell? Bluebell. We don't have bluebell here either. Oh. So it, the sacrifices we have made as I left disciples. my freezer of bluebell in Texas. <laughs> okay, a little different than, than dropping your nets. Yes. And we don't want yes. to allegorize dropping no. the nets. But that we, was their whole way of life also, and their profession. We are and, all, exactly. We are also called like them to follow Christ. There is an element of dying to oneself and being reborn in Christ. Does that make sense? Yes. Beautiful. Awesome. Okay, so... Bonhoeffer also talks about uh, only those who believe obey, and those only those who obey believe. It's kind of two sides of the coin. Oh, I like that. Yeah, and sometimes we err too far on one side, which is right. which is only those who believe obey. Okay, that's true, but only those who obey believe. And sometimes we need to hear one. Sometimes we need mm-hmm. to hear the other. And it's 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 two sides of a coin. It's a nice, it's a balance. Um, it's a distinction to be made too. But you can't have one without the other because then you'll err too far on cheap grace, or you'll err too far on works my works mm-hmm. righteousness. Exactly. Um, so I, okay, I'm not saying go read this by Bonhoeffer. I'm not. No, I wouldn't recommend yeah. it. Yeah, it's really heady stuff. But I'm not, you're in seminary. I'm in seminary. But actually, I, I, you know, if you do see a copy, pick it up. There's some good stuff in it. I'm, I'm not sure I totally agree with him on everything, but there were some really great nuggets in there. Um, and one of the bigger ones that I thought was amazing was, I've always thought of Christ as the mediator between you and God, right? right. Mm-hmm. Which is totally true. That I mean, it's a beautiful, amazing thing that Christ is our mediator. Um, we can go to the Father through him. Right? We don't need to pray to saints or Mary or any of those kinds of things. We have the Son of God, the Son of Man. The ultimate mediator. The ultimate mediator, right? What Bonhoeffer uh, kind of clicked for me was, not only is Christ the mediator between me and the Father, Christ is also the mediator between me and my fellow believers and me and my fellow human beings and me and everything. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Christ is the mediator, especially in the body of Christ, the church. This whole second article of view on ethics, it's not really for those outside of the body. This is for those in the body, in the church, where Christ is the head. And it's beautiful to know that he mediates between us and between all of our horizontal relationships. Mm-hmm. He's the mediator there. So there's these moments in scripture where Christ talks about how He's going to break apart families. He's going to break apart relationships. He's going to break apart all kinds of things. And what he's really getting at is you're only an individual through your identity in me. And then as you have that identity in me, I will mediate fellowship with others, Mm -hmm. which is just beautiful, amazing. I loved it, which helped, helped me realize a little bit why we serve others. Well, because they are also children of God that Christ is caring for, mm-hmm. right? Um, and he mediates our relationships with them. I think it's just beautiful. So the biggest thing for me is this ethics stuff. As a called, ordained minister, as a Christian, as a son of God, um, God works in me, through me, despite me. To restore relationships to care for others to do beautiful gospel good news things Mm -hmm. the works that we're talking about that come out of 
right. being a disciple with Christ. Because we're following him. Yes. He's putting the yoke on us. Mm-hmm. But it's his yoke. He's going to make sure it gets done. Does that make sense? Yes. So I think that that's a beautiful way to think about ethics and behavior and all that kind of stuff. Bonhoeffer's a really hard read, um, but it was really good to read it. I'm going to end with my Bonhoeffer uh, diatribe, if you will, by, by a, a quote that he says at the end of it. Now we can understand why the New Testament always speaks of our becoming like Christ. We have been transformed into the image of Christ and are therefore destined to be like him. He is the only pattern we must follow. So oh, I like, I love I like, that. I like patterns. Patterns. You love patterns. <laughs> patterns are your thing. But what do we do all the time as the church? We try to come up with, you know, 10 ways to be a yeah. better father, 10 ways, ways to be a better mother. New, ra- new ways to reach people. Exactly. It's already been done. It's been done. We know the pattern to follow. The right. pers- and, and, and who did Christ care for? The downtrodden. Mm-hmm. Sinners of all, all stripes, right? The, the knucklehead fishermen who didn't really listen when they should have. The um, tax collectors, right? Um, the neurotic tax collectors, possibly. Um, the, the women of ill repute, the men of ill repute, the, the children who were, were kind of ignored during his time. Um, Jews and Gentiles alike. I mean, he cared. The injured, the sick. The injured, the sick, the downtrodden. So what do we do? We should be doing the same thing. What's it look like? Well, it's not going to look exactly like Christ because, you know, when my friend dies, I can't just raise him from the dead. Right. Right. That's a pretty sweet gig, Lazarus. That, yeah. <laughs> the whole WWJD bracelet. Well, it falls apart when it's like, oh, I'm not Christ, but I can I be Christ. had like all of the colors. I know. The WWJD was awesome back in the day. But... Did it really change behavior? I don't know how much it did. It's the God, and that's the thing is, it's the gospel. It's the good news. It's the Holy Spirit that in you, through you, despite you, that's going to do those things that that Christ does. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So um, that being said, I, I've, I've lectured way too much now. Um, part of this is to get my my assignment done. <laughs> <laughs> and we had to read Bonhoeffer, and I actually ended up really liking it, even though I didn't at first. Um, but now we're going to move on to the the part of the show which makes it God Geeks Junior, where um, Ryan and I are going to discuss ways that we can help children learn these key concepts. Um, and one of the big ones is, is is empathy, and I think Christ was the most empathetic mm-hmm. that could ever exist. Um, and, and so we're going to come back in a minute after some theme music and discuss theme music. Well, it's, we have theme music. Well, it's, not, it's kind of theme music. It's, it's, I like the song, but it doesn't have any I didn't words. Help or pick this. Well, theme Bill made music. a theme music before, but I, I, I lost the file. So, okay. Yeah, no, it's cool. You should, well, you should listen to the podcast. You'd hear it. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for including yeah, me. On we'll that. be back in a minute. <laughs> back and uh, it's the second part of the podcast where the resident expert in all things child rearing and youth ministry and um, teaching is here my wife Ryan and she's going to um, share with me some stuff she's learned about how to teach kids empathy which is like that that key Christ-like behavior (laughs) that we see throughout the New Testament. Yeah, so when, can you just like recap what the second article is for us? Yeah, so the second article is um, Christ-centered, 
right? So the first article was, was, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. The second article is, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. Okay. Um, and so we're looking at behavior and ethics and empathy and all those other good things from the Christ perspective. Right. Um, how does he model it for us? How does he enable it in us and through us? What does he call his disciples to do? Those kinds of things. Okay. So when James just explained the second article to me, um, it just, he really stressed like caring for people and caring for others, like Christ cares for others. And so before you can care for people, you need to have empathy. Right. Correct. Yeah. Which I'm not always good at. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's easier for some people than it is for others. Um, it is a teachable skill. And the way you can teach empathy, and uh, we'll focus on young children today, young children, young adults, is by expecting it and by modeling it. So, and actually, Harvard ranked empathy. Yes, ranked empathy as the number one employable skill in people. So we're we're teaching the kids job skills too. Right, exactly. (laughs) People need to have empathy in, in order to be employable. Gotcha. Which kind of makes sense. You have to it be does. a team player. Yeah. It, it comes into play in a lot of different ways. It might even be helpful as a pastor. I don't know. Possibly. Pro- probably. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll practice that a yeah. little bit. <laughs> so if we're going to expect it and model it, there's kind of two parts to that. If you're wanting to teach the skill, um, a way that you can expect it is by having a family motto. Oh, I like that. So uh, you can come together as a family and collaborate and discuss what is important to you as a family. And then that becomes part of your family's expectations. Okay. So almost like a family creed you could right. develop. Yeah. Right. And then... In, so what, what, what would one sound like? So like for us, it could be, we are the Clelands and we follow Christ's example and care for others. Oh, easy for kids to remember. Right. Um, Simple. Yeah. Easy to refer back to when you see it. Or don't see it. Right. And okay. if a motto can just, a motto can help it become part of your routine, but help it become part of the fabric of your everyday. If something, if Maggie takes something from Andy, I can tell her, we are the Clelands, we follow Christ's example, and we care for others. And that's not caring for your brother. Yeah. So it's something you can refer back to. Like whenever a kid says, why, or you don't have to, you can, instead of saying, because I said so, you can you say, say your family motto. <laughs> There's some good Bible verses that might even kind of fit within that too. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It can be a family motto, a family Bible verse that you can refer I back like to just to kind of keep it. And consistency is probably key with that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And then empathy itself actually has three parts or there's three types of empathy. So there's emotional empathy, there's compassionate empathy, and there's cognitive empathy. Okay. And then I have a couple of activities for each. So emotional empathy is the feelings. It's probably what you think about most when you think of empathy. It's feelings or feeling what another person is feeling or is experiencing. This is the one I lack sometimes. It's, <laughs> it's okay. I don't even know my own emotions sometimes. So this one's really just naming emotions. It's identify, it, identifying emotions and feelings. With little guys, it's looking at facial expressions and saying, are they happy or sad? You can do this with memory games. You can do this with books. Books are, like Daniel Tiger is really great with this. Oh, yeah. We love Daniel Tiger. Um, I don't know. We love it. Our kids love it. <laughs> I love Daniel Tiger. <laughs> I don't know. It gets a little preachy sometimes with parents, but. <laughs> 
PBS, PBS is just is wonderful. Yeah. Um, happy 50th birthday, PBS. Oh, yeah. That's like yes. today or something. Yeah. That's yeah. what CBS Sunday morning told me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so um, when you're talking about emotions, it's important to connect the physiological um, characteristics. What do you mean by physical? Like what the behavior of the body is doing. Like are your oh, palms okay. sweating? Are you crying? Right. The physiological characteristics with the feelings itself. So okay. then it becomes easier for a child to identify and refer back to in themselves and in others. Okay. Okay. Um, then next we have compassionate empathy. Like doing things for others. Ah, okay. So this is the, the action part of empathy. Okay. You can see it. You can see when people care for others. You can see when people do things for others. This is the one where you could probably jump to Christ-like examples. A Absolutely. Lot. So, yeah. what are some bio, what are some stories you can? Oh think gosh, of? any of the time Jesus heals someone, right? Um, the time he feeds people, mm-hmm. um, even turning water into wine in a lot of ways. You know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, almost everything he does is compassionate. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And regardless of the individual, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like the people don't deserve it. No, no. Well, we don't deserve anything. That's right. Another. <laughs> right. But you know, we can do things for others, even though we we as human beings deem that they're deserving or not. I think Bonhoeffer talks about that a little bit too. <laughs> okay. yeah. You go back to Bonhoeffer. Yes. Yeah. So this is like noticing when kids do something for you or for someone else. You can recognize it. It just reinforces it. Mm-hmm. Um, baby dolls are really good for this. Caring for baby dolls just in a child's day or a child's play. Uh-huh. And can be part of, oh, is the baby hungry? What can you do to help the baby? Okay. There's Role lots of playing. toys like that. There's oh, video right. games that do that too. Yeah, like what? Oh, Animal Crossing. Maggie, Maggie and I have been playing that together. <laughs> so how can you do things for others in Animal Crossing? You can give gifts. You can, okay, yeah. And, and lots of times, it's funny, Maggie will notice when one of the characters is sad, which is that emotional empathy, mm-hmm. and then she kind of enacts some compassionate empathy. But this this kind of gives me the language to when we're just playing a video game to talk about, oh, that was a Christ-like moment that you just mm-hmm. did in that video game. Mm-hmm. How do we do that in the real world? Or you know, Right. Yeah, that's cool. Okay. Yeah. The more time you can... Repetition and yeah. modeling it is important, and you can do this even when with through discipline. Yeah, it's you know like well your Dr Pepper story with your dad. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Well save that for another. Okay podcast, never mind. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well my dad I, I stole money as a kid that was supposed to be offering, and bought a Dr Pepper with it, and my dad caught me, and used that as a, a, a opportunity to talk about the behavior, but also talk about. Um, the gospel and what I deserved, but what I actually got, mm-hmm. uh, which is forgiveness and, and eternal life and those kind of things. And it's one of my earliest memories. And I'm, I guess I'm about the age of Maggie, my, my, my daughter. And that's kind of funny. She's going to remember these lessons right. when, I, when I talk to her about them. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Absolutely. Okay, and then the next one is cognitive empathy or perspective taking. The big fancy term for this is theory of mind. Okay, cognitive, having to do with the mind, theory of mind. Mm-hmm. Taking someone else's perspective. Okay. And that's a little bit higher level. That, that comes... That's hard for toddlers. Oh, yeah, more, I wouldn't was that, expect you think it. that's like kindergarten, first grade when that starts yes. to develop? Yes, mm-hmm. Okay. And it's still going to be hard. I mean, it comes yeah. with lots of Well, Maggie's been talking about some of this lately. Right. She recognizes that she has a point of view, but has a hard time recognizing that other people have a point of view. Right. She <laughs> thinks she's special because she sees things. Yeah, she thinks she's... The whole universe revolves around her because she experiences things. Well, no, everyone experiences things, Maggie. <laughs> so, so is it, this is that theory of mind, that kind of... Right. Okay. And it's it's a higher level. It takes a lot of time. In adolescence, I think, is probably a good time <laughs> to be focusing about this. 
So, sorry, I had a phone call. <laughs> um, so, it's lots of times in books can help with this. Movies can help with this. It's exposure to different perspectives and ideas. Okay. This is that, that key message from, like, To Kill a Mockingbird. Right. Yeah. Okay. Seeing things from other people's perspective, walking in their shoes. Um, yeah, books and movies and TVs mm-hmm. really are a good tool for that. Right. I mean, I hate to well, promote screen time, but... Well, yeah. But, I mean, there's... Well, even Bible time would oh, be a absolutely. good, good yeah. moment for this. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the stories from the Bible, the narrative from mm-hmm. the Bible is a great uh, way to walk in someone else's shoes. Um, right, to experience what yeah. the situation felt yeah. like to them. It's kind of what the Gospels are. That's why there's different Gospels. It's different perspectives right. on, on that Christ Same story, story different yeah. perspectives. That, that would be even interesting to compare the s- similar stories from like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Yeah, yeah. And oh, to and see what each perspective cool for, was. To do with the kids a bit, too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, okay. And it's not just about noticing the, what makes you different, but it's also about even despite the differences, what makes you the same. Right. The similarities in individuals and people and cultures, even though they look worlds different. And, and we've talked about a little, little bit of that with the first article, and we'll get into that with third article, too. Um, the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're very different, different parts of the body, but there's some similarity, too, because we're part of the same body. We're unified in Christ. Um, which Bonhoeffer talks about that too. <laughs> I just need to read this Bonhoeffer oh, guy. I don't know about that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Awesome. Uh, that's helpful for me because empathy is hard to talk about. I didn't realize there were three types of empathy. I think I kind of get those, you know, mixed up a lot. Um, and, and that's a good way to, to break it down for kids. I love it. Um, and of course, Christ is our ultimate, ultimate example of empathy. I mean, God becoming man walking among us the word becoming flesh i mean if there isn't a better example of empathy i, I don't know <laughs> there, there isn't <laughs> right so and that's the ultimate example we get to talk about with our kids um not just that we should behave like christ but what christ has done for us and is doing in us and through us despite us and because um, he cares for others we need to care for others exactly exactly we have worth because god made us and loves us and so does everyone else. And so does everyone else. And that's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. So uh, that's that's episode two in this series on ethics. We're going to get back into it um, in a few days with episode three, talking about the third article. This is the one I'm excited about. I love third article perspective on things. I love uh, thinking about how the Holy Spirit works in us and through us and about the kingdom to come and how it's crashing into now. Uh, And it's an amazing, beautiful thing. So we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.